the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader around to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is a podcast about this week's headlines of Bolton Wanderers. If you want the podcast advising you on how to cure gullibility, please turn the tape over now. On the show this week, deadline day is nearly upon us. Let's talk transfers. Two defeats in a week for Wanderers, but it isn't all bad. It's injury woe for JDB. Why can't everyone's favourite Icelander catch a break? And let's have a sensible discussion about referees. Are we being too harsh? Brackets, no we're not. But first, if you haven't subscribed to the Bolton News yet, then this might be the week to change all that. It's £2 for your first two months. And for that, you get access to an ad-free website, all the premium articles and a big back catalogue of Bolton News and Reader offers as well. We'll be kicking off with some of the 25th anniversary articles on the stadium very, very soon. So if you're not already on board, take a look. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe. Right, it is time to bring in a man who for the last 10 months has been building an arc from scratch just in case it happens again at Plymouth. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I've uh, that that It scared me so much last season that I'm actually going to Spain this weekend just to get <laughs> away and make sure there is no possibility of a, of a downpour that um, I will be stuck in grass with Alex Baptiste in. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, fair play. I always say this, whether it be August, whether it be October, whether it be the middle of December, fair play to everyone, all the Bolton fans that go to uh, Plymouth. I think we've sold 600 or 700 at the moment as we yeah, speak on yeah. Wednesday morning. So, uh, yeah, credit to all of them. Yeah, you're, uh, that's why we're recording this podcast early. Henry's uh, buggering off to Spain. I'm going away, away for a few days as well. So I'm leaving Dan Barnes to do the Plymouth game. God help us. But we have got we have got two games to review anyway, and we've got plenty of stuff to talk about for this uh, for this particular pod. So we'll worry about next week. Next week, first of all, let's start with Sheffield Wednesday because really that was the important one. Um, I mean, two defeats Wednesday, and then obviously Villa in the Carabao Cup. Was this this kind of a week that expectations checked a little bit? It seems to happen quite a lot with Bolton. Yeah, it does. Uh, that Sheffield Wednesday game, it just reminded me of the Rotherham home game last year. Big crowd and, uh, yeah, it really brought us down to earth a little bit. I Don't get me wrong, I don't think, you know, for my expectations, I still think playoffs and, and everyone else uh, thinks so as well. It, but what it did, it showed me that, I mean, we know how well Peter and Ipswich are doing, but just Sheffield Wednesday, for me, at the moment, just... It was difficult to, to analyse, really, because I, I looked and thought, well, they're just that little bit better than us. Yeah. But at the same time, I thought the amount of time, times we give the ball away, it just didn't click. You know, it must have been about five or six times, you know, where they're at the byline and somebody crosses it in and then it hits the defender and hits them and goes out. So it's a goal kick. That happened a lot. I think we were unlucky on the day, but I don't think we, we helped ourselves, really. No, definitely, definitely. And Bolton, Bolton played within themselves, and I felt like Wednesday were playing quite well. Certainly, the reaction of their fans seemed to be that they were they were playing quite well. But, but you know what you're going to get with Bannon, and and also I will say something we did find out about Wednesday: their wage budget this season 
14 million pounds. That's more than Bol- that's more than Bolton when they came down uh, for the first time in League One. If you remember that, I think it was 12.7. I, I reckon Bolton were working off somewhere somewhere south of eight. So that goes to show you, Ipswich are on about 12 as well, I'm hearing. So it goes to show you, they are up against it. The, the wage budgets in this division are really, uh, really disparate. And, and, and Bolton are not in the very, very top echelons of that at all. That's not an excuse, though, for for, for what happened Saturday. Because there were, there were certainly avoidable things. And obviously the headline of it all was, was what happened to Ricardo Santos. He'd, back in the team... We talked about whether or not he maybe would have kept faith with Will, Will Ameson, who'd been playing quite well, played very well against Morecambe. He made the switch, brought his captain back, and, and I think we, we understand why that was the case. But it was not the way he wanted to return to the team. It weren't, no. And I, I saw a lot of people giving Rico stick on social media on Saturday night and people saying, oh, Amerson should stay in. And I think we do have a point. I think uh, normally you would reward good play and, and Amerson had played very well but you've got to remember as well that Sheffield Wednesday and Markham are two different animals so maybe he looks and thought it's going to be more physical um, you know and there's going to be more balls going over uh, more pace up front so uh, I want Santos in so if Santos how about Santos played well against Villa if Santos plays like that against uh, Sheffield Wednesday even if we still lose no one complains but yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great. I think I don't know about you. I I just felt for me it, it weren't necessarily the pass back from Santos. It was the reaction that disappointed me. Mm. You know, Bannon was twenty yards ahead of him getting the ball. He anticipated Trafford to clear it, uh, and then we never recovered from that. And then they got the second, and it it killed the game. Yeah, all of that. And I, I'm I'm not making excuses here for Rico at all because he did actually get back. I know Bannon was was much quicker setting off and, and anticipated it. He, I think, he got two bites at, at the cross as well. But if you look at the, I think Bolton had four players back in the end as well as uh, Trafford. Nobody was within a yard of of the the three Sheffield Wednesday men. They were, you know, nobody was closing the ball down, and and it wasn't just Ricardo Santos. I think you can pick that goal apart, and whilst the two glaring problems were were Rico I don't think everything was I think it was still avoidable even after if you take him out the equation there if he had stood on the halfway line and not moved it was still avoidable with the numbers they had back so I I think the criticism and this is one one of the points I wanted to to ask you and see see whether you agreed with me but I think the criticism went beyond what it needed to do and uh, that disappoints me a little bit in that no (laughs) Santos, I think, has always had a slightly divisive element because I think he does sum up the way that Ian Everett wants to play. And that isn't unanimously popular with Bolton fans. We know that. it. Most Bolton fans, I think, uh, um, uh, like it. I think that they like the way playing from the back and, and, and all the risks that that does inherit. But some people don't. And I think when these sorts of things happen, those people become extremely vocal. And I think sometimes you know, the criticism can go overboard. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I'd say with Santos, like, I, you know, yeah, I, I was critical of his performance on on Saturday, but it was once, it was, a, for me, it was one bad performance in a load of good performances. I think you're right where there is, and you hear it in the in the stands, in the crowd, there's wherever I sit at the, the stadium, 
there seems to be one person somewhere who's having a go at Santos. Mm. The majority are happy with him. The majority like him. I mean, that's why he was player of the season but uh, a few years ago and runner-up last year, essentially. But um, I think, yeah, there is this certain pockets of the support that, that don't quite like him. And uh, so I think when anything does happen like this, yeah, people are quick to, you know, to turn on him. But, um, you know, I think overall he's, he's got... Um, a, for me, he's got enough money in the bank with Bolton fans to uh, to have the odd off day. I thought he played very well on Tuesday, and I'm sure he'll do well on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I think you've got a point there. I think there is the odd Bolton fan that anything he does are, are happy to jump on it a lot more than other players. Mm. I think the other thing is, and, and they say this sometimes with goalkeepers, don't they? That because they're the the last line, if you make a if you make a mistake as a goalkeeper, it inevitably ends up as a goal. Now, I think the way that Bolton play, Ricardo Santos is almost exclusively the last man. So often he's he's one on one. That's the way that they play. It gives them that little bit of a, an attacking overload. That's basically the secret to the way that he ever plays is that he's so trusting in the way that Ricardo Santos defends one on one. He can gamble everybody else, including his other centre halves, forward. Um, mm. And I think against better teams, that can be exploited. Um, and, and maybe you could argue that's what Sheffield Wednesday maybe did a little bit there, but or, or kind of waited for that bit of pressure and, and Bannon exploited it. But um, I think the very fact that he is the last man means that if he does make an error, especially passing out from the back, it does leave them at more of a disadvantage than if, let's say, Gethin Jones did it, or if Will Ameson did it, or if one of, or MJ Williams did it, who's a bit further forward and has players behind him. Yeah, that's a point. Um, you know, I think... I think Santos takes more risks as well. Which, he does, yeah. yeah. I, you know, as I said, most of the time it works fine. I think when you look comparing to, say, George Johnston, I don't see George Johnston making it. He, he's still passing it about the back. He's still, every now and again, will ping it across to the other, uh, you know, to the other wing. But I'd, I'd see him doing that less so. So maybe, um, yeah, maybe that's why it does stand out with Santos. But... Um, I think, for me personally, when I look at our, our back line, you've got to remember as well, taking out the cup game, we've conceded three goals in five games. If we do that this season, that, that is promotion, uh, a promotion uh, goals against record. So A promotion goals yeah. against record. That's why we pay you the big money. There. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. When you start paying me, that's when I'll buy a facade. But... Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think overall, if you analyse the five games, I think we're in a good position, and uh, and I'm happy with our back three. And and to be fair, I'm happy with Amerson. I'm glad he played well on against Markham. So I think we've got a good four there, and I'm then looking forward to uh, seeing how Owen Toll will do. We'll talk about his first game later on. Yeah, I, I thought second half against Wednesday, I thought they were back in control. There was there was. A couple of little brief moments where they they might have grabbed another one, but uh, majority wise, they had a lot of possession. I just didn't feel they they could really cut through much. Aaron Morley, Morley had a very quiet game. Dempsey didn't really do mm. a lot. He was struggling a bit to 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 cut through. It just wasn't there wasn't quite that creative edge. And when you you set that against what we saw in the first half against Villa, for example, and we'll come on to that game, but. 
where you've got Kieran Lee and he's always there, the energy's there and, and he's, he's, he's knocking the ball around. I mean, do a Bolton lacking somebody like that, a bit more dynamism? And in, in that respect, is that somebody, is that something that he never needs to add to his team? Um, yes and no. I think, you know, when you look at the players on paper, you look at Afalaya and he can, you know, normally create something. I think he's been, I was having this discussion with my dad walking out the game last night and I was saying, well, is Afalayan, if you look at him last season, August last season, he scored a few goals. He was looking brilliant. He could, he really stood out. Is Have we now got better players? That means that Afalayan doesn't stand out as much or we're not relying on him as much. Um, you know, you look at, uh, I think, Bakayoko sometimes that, I know he didn't like the super sub tag, but I think he is more effective coming off the bat. I think sometimes when he starts the game, he's he's not as effective. He doesn't get into it as much. Um, so we've got the pl- the players. I just think that, I don't know, I just think it was a bad day overall. And I know the manager said, oh, what is a bad day at the office on Saturday? But I think it was. I think it just didn't click. A few passes were going astray. And as I said, it would, the luck weren't there. You know, on another day, Conor Bradley scores his chance. It goes 1-0 and we we then have something to defend and we push on and, and possibly win the game. But, you know, it's within two minutes, he misses and they score from a from a, a few defensive errors. So it was just one of those days. They moved on midweek and um, I don't know where you first found out about the team sheet. I normally look at Twitter nowadays because uh, gone are the days where we go down in the tunnel and get the, the team ahead of play. Um, but yes, as soon as that team dropped and Aston Villa's team dropped, it was a bit of a, a sharp intake of breath. I was thinking, oh, <laughs> how's this one going to pan out? Um, but but fair play, you know, he never made six changes to the team, rested quite a few players and and still managed to conjure up a, a really good first half performance. Well, I first saw it, uh, I was at home, and then that, uh, I didn't analyse it though until later on because that reminded me that it was a 7.45 kickoff and I had to jump in the shower because I was <laughs> 15 minutes thinking it was 8 o'clock. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 was, I was quite surprised with the changes. I know that the manager has, has said before that they, they have certain teams for certain opposition and we should be expecting more changes this season, but... I was surprised, like the likes of Morley weren't playing. He was the one for me who I was a bit surprised about. But then saying that, I thought the midfield did quite well. Um, yeah, and then when I looked at their team, I, I and you see in the names, I thought even seeing Martinez in goal, I thought, oh, he's their goalkeeper. And then you go down the list, and you're like, okay, this is a Premier League first eleven, which. It made me less confident because I felt we could have got an upset yesterday. But it actually, I thought, you know what, it's. You know, out of this, as we know, the Carabao Cup doesn't make you much money. So if we can go out having had a 20,000 attendance and been on TV, we're making more money than if we would go into third round and lose to Rotherham away. Mm. So I thought there was a, we were in a no lose situation uh, yesterday. As long as we weren't going to get battered 6 7 1, I think it was fine. So for me, looking at the opposition, I thought, yeah, okay, let's have a crack against a, a Premier League 11. And you know, as we saw for for an hour, it was we were going toe to toe, and I thought they did very well. It was game on. It was game on, and, and I thought Kieran Lee on the night was 
arguably the best player on the pitch. I, I, you know, I know Coutinho yeah. had a good game, and there was I mean, there was a couple of Aston Villa players you could tell the class, Dina especially. But I, I thought Kieran Lee barely put a foot wrong. He was full of energy. You, yeah, unfortunately, you're not going to get two games a week like that out of him, or else otherwise he just would not be playing in League One. There's no question about that. But uh, it was good to see him roll back the years, wasn't it? It was. I, I agree with you. I thought he was our man of the match. I thought the way he put Chambers on his backside for our goal, um, yeah. you know, I as, as we'll discuss later, Chambers is actually on my bench in my fantasy team, but he's coming straight out because I thought he, <laughs> he didn't look very good. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he is that class above. It's, it is a shame that we can't get more than one game a week out of him. But, like as you said, if we did, he wouldn't be playing at this level. He would be playing against players like that on a regular basis. Mm. Um so we we are. I feel we're lucky to have him, and I think, um, yeah, it's it really. And as well, you've got to give him credit because we know his fitness issues. And for ninety minutes, you know, even in the ninetieth minute, he he put a, a last ditch tackle in. So the energy was there. We can get him for a game. Mm. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's unfortunate in a a game on Saturday against Plymouth where we could probably need a player like that. Uh, he he'll probably be back on the bench, but um, yeah, it's he's he's a top top player, and uh, you know I, we were talking when we signed him about how long are we going to get out of him. So to get nearly two years, you know, probably going to get three years out of him at the very least. It's been a good effort, and I think uh, yeah, he's he's a lot. Of, you know, when we talk about decisive players, I don't think anyone is is anti Kieran Lee. No. No, anti Kieran Lee. I'd love an anti Kieran Lee. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, Dion Charles back in the team as well. Good to see him. No question. He was back to his, his buzzing best, grabbed a goal. Well, first Bolton striker to score this season as well, um, which is nice to get that little uh, stat out of the, uh, off the back, rather. Um, but yeah, he's, he's looking more like it. I, I thought, generally speaking, I know they're really tired in the last 20, 20 minutes or so, and Villa kind of stretched away with it, but I don't think there were any. Any dreadful performance? This, this, it's been quite a bit about Dixon. What do you see? What do you think about Dixon? Um, yeah, the, I mean, the third goal wasn't great, was it? I think the the, the second goal for the penalty. Okay, he was offside. Um, I I think Aston Villa they used a lot of their Premier League nous. I think there was a, a there's a lot of chance, a lot of times where. You can tell they just they were a bit smarter with the way that they were winning free kicks. You know, Coutinho won one just outside the area, which I think he hit the wall with the uh, the free kick yeah, in the, the first, first half. half. Yeah, yeah. But I was sat behind that goal, and to me, he he threw himself on the ground. So, and he won, but he won the free kick. Same with Danny Ings; he left his leg there. It's it's just that smarter Premier League play. Um, I don't blame Dixon for the penalty. I think. You know, how many times did we see Yossi bring players down, you know, who were running out? You know, so it's, it's you're the last line. You are literally the last line of defence. I know the, the manager said, oh, the ball was going out of play, but it's he's won the penalty. And fair enough, he's put it away. This, the third goal wasn't great. Um, it, it was... I, I, feel, I do feel sorry for Dixon because he made some really good saves, but that third goal was... A, I don't know, a bit a bit Sunday league for me, you know, when he's he's giving him a Premier League player that much of the goal. But um he's our he's our sub goalie, he's our sub goalie for a reason. I don't know whether this now 
how Ian Ebert thinks about it, whether he thinks, oh, he's made some really good saves, so there's something there, or whether he looks and goes, mm, I probably need someone else. That's something we'll, we'll find out in the next few days. But, I mean, what did you think as a... Obviously, you had a different angle of the game as me, and, and you you have a different point of view of it. Do you think people are being harsh on Dixon, or or is is could this be the end of his his Bolton career? Um, well, I mean, we asked, we actually asked Ian Ever afterwards, and he said he was pleased with him. He didn't have any any particular criticism to throw his way, which was which was one thing. I think the first goal he gets penned in, he got penned in at the corner previously. I think again that that is something you would say in there about the the Premier League aspect. Uh, I think their set pieces were good. They've got you know that that way of penning the goalkeeper in with Mings and and Chambers really standing on the line and and, and Ings is in there. I think they were just a bit wiser and 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 got uh, got Dixon penned in. I, Stephen Gerrard said afterwards that he he practices curling those um, those sorts of shots in as well. So maybe you're forgiven for that one. I. From my angle, I thought the Dina goal was was a quite a clever finish, but I think from looking at some of the replays, yes, you're right. He gave him a bit too much of the goal. He also made two or three really good saves towards the end. I thought before the first goal, you know, as a sweeper keeper, I thought he did terrifically well. Maybe a bit of an overreaction. I do think that Bolton, and we we actually talked about this in the press box last night. I think that Bolton are going to have to find a goalkeeper next next summer. Mm. I, I think. You know, arguably Dixon coming out of contract in the summer. I don't think he is the long-term choice for me. Trafford has probably got growing to do elsewhere. Obviously, he's he's a City player anyway. It's not. It's probably not a, a sensible thing to be building. Uh, you know, our goalkeeping hopes on on a different club's player. Bolton need to find another goalkeeper next summer. Um, uh, whether that destabilizes the the situation for Dixon, knowing he's on you know effectively borrowed time, I don't know. Whether or not that accelerates the search for Ian Everett, whether he's looking maybe this window uh, to to get that sorted, maybe maybe the winter window is one we'd look to. But um, no, I, I think I think there was a slight overreaction. I think sometimes, particularly on social media, it's, it was the same with Santos. I mean, people want. You know, for for a, for an error, people being hung, drawn, and quartered—it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I, I think it's an interesting one with the, the goalkeeping situation because, yeah, we Trafford is a good goalkeeper, and if Trafford was our goalkeeper, we'd be talking about, oh well, he'll be with us a few years and then we'll sell him. Mm. But he's not. So how, you know, I, as much as I'm delighted he is our goalkeeper, and I'm really happy that he's he's staying for the season. You know, next year there'll be a lot of fans saying, "Oh, we want him back." But how how many times do you get him back? And also, Saman City, if he as we saw with Portsmouth last year, their goalkeeper, he had a good season with them, and then City selling for twelve million, and it's like, well, what we don't get anything out of that, you know, mm-hmm. really. So uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I, I don't think Dixon. I think Dixon. I thought it gets slaughtered more than what I I think on social media. But you look now at these last two uh, errors, Hartlepool away last year and then, um, you know, the, the situation last night. And I just think, you know, there were a lot... It, watching Sky, I watched Sky when I got back home and there were a lot of good talk about Bolton. It was really nice to watch and everyone was so positive and Kevin Nolan was and Heskey and stuff. With all this good 
feeling and the fact that everyone's now looking and going, yeah, this club will progress into the championship and hopefully further, you're right. And is Dixon going to be our number one going forward? Probably not. So um, it is maybe not something this transfer window to address, but may, next summer it's probably going to be our big, the big thing we need to sort out. Again, since we've been in that situation a fair few times. Right, OK, well, this is a news podcast, or at least I think it is. Henry, bring me some headlines. News. Grab the biscuits, Mark. Ian Everett has said it. Mm. We're going to have interesting transfer deadline day we were worried that we'd done all our business but Ian Everett says no get your broken biscuits we are uh, you're going to be in for at least some news yes thank thank the lord I, I was I was uh, worried that I'd be sat there all day trying to get people to uh, listen into a transfer deadline day blog there where nothing was ever going to happen there is a there is a possibility uh, that uh, that Bolton Bonders will still be in the market for players by the time I get back off my holiday. I'm well excited about that because I've already got my eye on some primo biscuits uh, to see me through the day. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think the, the the makeup and the balance of the squad at the moment is pretty good. There's no one area where I think that is obviously where you're going to be signing. We put the question out a couple of times on social media. We had quite a few different responses. Nobody seems to agree entirely on where the the squad needs to be improved. Some people say defensive midfielder. There's not a natural backup to MJ. Some people say right back. We could bring Fossey back. By the way, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, a lot of people say striker because you can never have too many. Maybe we slight lack of pace potentially. Uh, there and then I've just I've just said there about maybe a, a slight um, in the middle of the park a, a number ten or a you know see what Coutinho is doing he he looked he looked like he's got a chance mm. in the game see if uh, see if Villa are in a good mood um, but yeah there's 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 a few different possibilities and he never's played quite cagey about it he hasn't sort of pinned his colours to the mast and said he's going to be looking for X Y or Z what he has said is there could be players coming in and there could be players going out so. It leaves it nice and open for a bit of interpretation, which is what we're here for, Henry. It is. It's what this podcast is built on. We are the interpretation buff. The interpretation buff. Yes, uh, that could be the title of the podcast this week. Um, where would you? Where would you go for? I mean, we, we, we've probably talked about it a couple of times, but right at this minute in time, has it changed your mind any? Um, I. I mean, I am happy with our squad. Uh, and I think there is there is room to grow, but I, I think there is there's something there that I think we're not quite a promotion squad. I think we are a playoff squad. Mm. But if you ask me to pinpoint certain positions, I actually don't know where because I think right up front, yeah, they've not scored a lot of goals this season so far. But I think okay, we've got good players. Charles hopefully gets a run of games. Um, by the way, I mean, can I just say I, I'm not you know I'm, I don't want to. Uh, say anything about the commentators last night or the producers or whatever. But I was watching the game back and the the commentator said that Dion Charles had been out for seven months and not played since the start of January. Also uh, said, uh, it came up a graphic when he scored, he said one goal in 15 games. I thought, were you not at Fleetwood last year? 
Um, so yeah, that's obviously Sky needs to do the research a bit more. But um, the uh, yeah, I'm happy with him. I thought Kachunga played quite well last he did. night. I, I thought, thought so, yeah. he, you know, first few minutes he had a shot which could have gone wide. So it's a shame uh, that we can't play Premier League opposition every week if that's how Kachunga plays. Um, yeah, and then you look at Bodvarsson, Bakayoko, Afalaya. So I think up top we're okay. I think we've got we have got two players for every position. I think Thomason is the man to replace um, MJ. So I, I don't know specifically where it would be. Maybe a, I mean you could look at goalkeeper and say, well, we need a number two. But realistically, who are you going to bring in? Because they're going to be number two. You can't loan a player because that you you're saying to that team. Oh well, can we loan him just so we can have a number two? Mm. Uh, if you bring anyone in, unless it's someone who's going right this year, you'll be number two, but you're going to work and be our number one for next year. That's the only thing. Maybe I don't know. Uh, maybe defensive cover if Owen Toll's not quite ready. Uh, is is there anywhere that you see anywhere specifically, or are we just are we just going to sit back, read your match day blog, and just be surprised? I, I did. I go backwards and forwards. Last night, I was looking at the team and, and Saturday as well and, and just thinking, Kieran Zadley has not had a chance, really. He's, he's looked at, at the moment, it would seem, as a, a an alternative to uh, Connor Bradley on the right-hand side. And that surprises me a bit because I feel like there maybe isn't anybody. When, when Kieran Lee isn't in the team, there isn't really anybody who's making things happen there. D- Dapwafalayan has done okay there, I think, but I do think it, it, it almost hides his talent under a bushel a little bit. Um, so it's it's not an ideal situation. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're nitpicking here, but I think just realistically, as the season goes on, as much as it, all the team seems to be on a fairly even keel, naturally... Some ple- some people will go up in the estimation, and that people some people go down. It's really, I think, for Ian Ever at this minute in time to look at that team and think, right, who in three months' time is not going to be a natural starter for me, and that may be where you start. They are maybe the players you look to get out on loan now, and bring in somebody that's going to have a chance, or maybe it's come to the end of his contract and that you're going to be able to sign for nothing in the summer or that kind of thing. You need to trade up. I don't think we. I don't think as a club it is very sensible to sit back and say, you know, we've we've cracked it, because I agree with you. I think that this squad at the moment is as good as Aitian ever has had. I'm, you know, there's there's no obvious weak links for me and all that kind of stuff. But is it as good as an automatic promotion winning squad? No, it isn't. So you you're already limiting what I feel it's capable of doing. I think it does need to be levelled up and, and, and does need to be uh, improved if it's going to go for the top places, and that's that's really where you should be. That's where you should be uh, aiming. Um, it's not easy at all, particularly as we mentioned before. Financially, Bolton are not mm. on the very very top level, and they can't just go and spend. So yeah, this is where Chris Markham and, and Ian ever earn their money, and and this is where it it becomes interesting. It also means that. We're not going to be sit there, sitting there, you know, negotiating transfer fees and such like over the next week. I think it's going to be quiet. It's going to be very uh, clinical and hopefully it'll be a good surprise. It will. And you've got to remember as well, and this moving on to our next headline, that uh, Lloyd Grove and Josh Sean were um, involved with the B mm. team again. So was Owen Toll. Um, how 
I mean, are they because they're going to seem like new signings to us? I, I, how would you see them fitting in at the moment? I guess would his Grove go as a, another replacement for Bradley and Sheehan be in the midfield? Um, and Owen Toll, what what do you think the plan is for him? Is it going to be mainly B team this year, or could you see him going out on loan for a bit? Well, yeah. We, again, it's a conversation I had last night, and, and Owen Toll is is only just kind of feeling his way back into first team football. So I think it will be a, a a while in the B team for now. I think you're probably looking towards Christmas before he's even considered for the uh, the pizza trophy or something like that at the moment to get his first taste. He's getting his feet under the table, and I think that's fair. With Sheehan, I do expect him to come in. I do expect him to be a, a, a realistic option. And a not not long, I think he had about 70-odd minutes the other day against Blackpool for the B team. Isgrove is the interesting one for me because uh, he wasn't a wing-back. I think in, in the same way as Sadly, he's kind of a winger who can play wing-back. Um, when he comes in... Is it either or for those two? I mean, you can't put them both. They're both basically effectively the same player, aren't they? Mm. Um, not not too dissimilar. I I wonder whether one or the other is is not expendable is the wrong word, but if you're going to be shifting your squad round, is that where you do it? Um, it it's not a popular mm. one, and I would hate for you to uh, to look at that sock up on your wall and and for it to be mm. his grove and you're never going to get the second one, but. Um, yeah, I just I just think that's probably where the decision's made for me. Yeah, I, and you know, as much as as much as it hurts me, because I just said I have got that Lydis Grove signed sock in my uh, in my spare room. Um, you you do look at his Grove, or uh, sadly, and I think his Grove. And bearing in mind, we're we're thinking back to his Grove last year. We don't know what condition he's going to come back in. If, if you know, it's a long layoff for for him. Um, I think in terms of work rate, Isgrove all day long. In terms of quality, I'd probably put Sadly ahead of Isgrove. So then you're looking and thinking, well, yeah, you know, what is, what's going to... But as you said, you can't have two of them behind Bradley because then, you know, how... I, I don't know the mind of a footballer, but I can imagine it's quite depressing when you're fighting with someone else to be a understudy. <laughs> At a, at a position that you don't naturally see yourself in, yeah. As well, that's yeah. that's the other thing. I, I think it it would be okay if if they were both vying for a you know if they were playing four three three and it would be the right hand side you know and so you, you you're slipping straight in. And I know that Bolton's wing backs do play more like wingers. I get that, but it, you do do need to do more than just cross the ball and and uh, run up and down. Um, <laughs> a very simplistic view of wing-back play there. But yes, uh, you get where I'm coming from. I don't think, realistically, that, that Ian Everett is going to be able to juggle Isgrove, Sadlier and Bradley as wing-back options. Do you think that with Isgrove and Sadlier, and also maybe Dapo in this as well, mm. the way that Bolton play, where we don't have that sort of wingers, or we don't have the... You know, if you play 4 3, three you've got players... Um, you know, on the up front on the wings, and do you think that sort of there's a few players that just don't quite quality wise, yeah, but there's a few players that just don't quite fit into the system we've got at the moment, yeah, I think so. I think with Dapo, I know he's learning to play it and he's intelligent enough to be able to, to improve season on season and, and get that nailed down, I'd imagine. But right at this minute, 
it's not his best position. Uh, I would stand kicking if, if anybody tried to say it otherwise. Um, I like him as a as a striker. I, I like that him and, and Dion up front when it started the season. That's a lovely uh, combination for me. Maybe gives Ian Ever a few problems in terms of the number of strikers he's got at that at that point. Last night he sat him behind the front two. Didn't really have that much of an effect on the game for me, and, and that um, is a bit of a shame because I think Kieran Lee is the better ten in that mm. team. So I mean they're good problems to have, aren't they? I mean we're you know these are these are positive things to be talking about. We're not talking about anybody stinking the place out. It's it's just these kind of little nuances in in the kind of positional play that uh, are going to bring the very very best out. But uh, you're talking about halves of percentages that Ian Everett's trying to add to his team here to to turn them from what they were last season into playoffs, and then you know maybe that extra bit if they're, they're going to be anywhere near the automatics but that's what they've got to find that's what they're going to add to the squad if uh, if they're going to do it exactly um a man who is one of those strikers and it just it's been a bit stop start for him is john daddy bavas and he's now out again with a, a hamstring injury he looks like pro- probably you know he won't be involved against plymouth i don't think maybe not crew but there again two games that we we could have needed him is it just bad luck at the moment for Bud Varson. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because obviously we know he, he kind of turned up having not had a great pre-season with Millwall last season. So he was never fully fit and, and, and as much as he played extremely well at times, you could never see him playing twice a week, which is what, you know, ideally you would you would like to think a player could do. Um, he was always having to manage things and, and, and I think that was the case over the summer. He's had a bit of a calf problem, which has kept him um, from, from being completely 100% just looks a little bit, a little bit laboured um, in terms of, of the way he's been moving and, and playing. Still class act, an absolute class act at this level. And, and I don't think there are too many complaints from, from the Bolton fans either. Um, but I, I think a fit and firing Bud Varson, I think you would see a very big difference. And if he did all the pre-season, he was looking forward to this being his year that he'd, he'd got a, a solid foundation of fitness underneath. Um but he just seems to have picked up those kind of little little muscular problems, and he's he's done his hamstring a bit. That maybe you know seven ten days, fingers crossed. There's nothing worse than that, um, and then hopefully he can get himself right. But these little things, when you because the, the problem being is of course with any striker, uh, before much longer you start looking at how many games it has been before you've scored. And you forget mm. about all the associated injury problems or the fact that they might not be fully fit. It's, oh, well, you've, you scored one in 15. <laughs> so all of a sudden that then becomes a big a big stigma. Um, that's the life of a striker. I don't think many people sort of turn around and look at MJ Williams and like, oh, well, he's only scored one in 45 or whatever it might be for MJ yeah, Williams yeah. because he's judged on different criteria. Uh, I, you know, I don't need to tell Jon that. He's been living <laughs> living as a striker long enough and he's big and ugly enough to know, to know this sort of thing. But... Hmm. That is the that is the thing that when you when you limp on a little bit and you're not you're playing within yourself a little bit, those statistics tend to ride up and and, and cause an issue. Yeah, um, hopefully he'll be back. So I like Bud Varson. Well, we all like Bud Varson, but I think he he adds quite a lot to you know. He's I don't think for me Bud Varson's going to be that twenty five goal season striker, but he does add a lot. He makes himself a nuisance. I thought when he came on on Saturday, he did. Yeah. He did very well. I yeah. thought he, he changed the game a little bit. Um, Ian Everett has been talking about referees again, and he's called for referees to get some help. Uh, I know he on his Sky interview, he, he had a little mention for VAR, saying that, oh, well, that would have ruled out the second goal. 
Um, we discussed this last week about refs needing more help in League League One. They're not professional, and also we don't have VAR. There's you know, and goal line technology and all of that is it's it needs something needs to be done, doesn't it? It does. Uh, but last night, for example, you have Sky Sports in there covering the game from every conceivable angle. How on earth can they not have VAR, or, or can yeah. they not have pitch side uh, monitors to to look at? It's daft. It's it's crazy that every ground and I, I I refuse I know I know that kind of money is tight in certain corners of football but I I think nowadays that pretty much every single team national league and above have got an uh, analysis staff who sit there with replays laptop replays watching the game as it happens and and they're able to to have some sort of live feed um I'm you know. Please correct me if that's not right, but certainly I'm, I, I see most clubs have, have got that sort of thing. Um, so I just don't see why we're not even we're not even bringing in a version that's suitable for the lower leagues. It's just basically you're not having it. Mm. Um, we've talked about professionalism, the referees. Uh, you never that would probably be his first port of call. Um, I don't know what. Is stopping them doing that? I don't know that it's a supply and demand thing. Maybe, maybe there needs to be a concerted effort from you know people like myself in the media or the players, managers, you know, to give referees more more leeway so that there is maybe an upsurge in, in people wanting to take it on. Maybe if that is the problem, I don't know. Um, but I just think for me that this. this the quality of referees seems to be deteriorating. And, and that's not even just watching Bolton on a weekly basis. When I switch TV on a Sunday afternoon and watch the Premier League, it, it seems to be doing just the same. And they are professionals. So there's obviously a, a problem. And, and for me, if you were to bring in professional referees at the lower level, it would create a pyramid. It would, you know, it would be a meritocracy. The best would rise to the top and you'd get better referees in the Premier League then. So... I just think that something needs to happen quite quickly because it's starting to, to really cost. Yeah, and, and even last night after the second goal, uh, Ollie Watkins was given offside from being in his own half. So uh, it wasn't just the isolated decision last night. It was, yeah, uh, yeah the, the linesman wasn't great on that side. Um, now, the producer in me is actually quite annoyed. I didn't ask this after talking about deadline day. But, uh, hey, you know, we, 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 we live and learn. Um, you're only as good as your last show, and well, that says a lot about me. Less so you. Last show was um, great, to be fair, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Ian Everett has said that Bolton have earned the trust of City and Liverpool. Could we see maybe one uh, uh, another loan signing from them before deadline day? I'm glad you brought that up, actually, Henry. Um, yeah. Um, do you know why? It it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to to bring in a. a a, a left field, and I don't mean a left-sided player. I mean just a a, a surprise signing, a la Amici, for example. Yeah, somebody we weren't expecting, a big name. No, I don't mean a massive name, but but from a big club because Bolton have got decent stock there, and, and we've talked about uh, City checking Bolton out for Trafford and making the right decision for his career, and Bolton was the right one. Bradley, Liverpool. Uh, went in last season and looked at the the training and, and the way that it was set up. So they're clearly doing things right, and that means that they could now start pitching themselves in 
for the Manchester United's, the Manchester City's, Liverpool's, Everton's, uh, you know, Arsenal's, oh, the big club's kids. So why not? I mean, they're the sort of deals that do get done on deadline day because the big clubs want to keep hold of and, and, and keep them under that kind of academy umbrella for as long as they can do. Why can't that be the sort of signing that Bolton make? It'd be interesting. It would. Who knows? Maybe maybe we can take a langer that we were linked with for so long. I was looking uh, at Cameron Archer, actually, on the bench for Villa. I was thinking, yeah, go on, yeah, that would do. Yeah, well, it it does. It is funny the thought when you think of how, uh, like you said, with City and Liverpool coming to Bolton's training ground. It's I just find it funny, uh, Ian Everett, you know, getting the fine the fine china out and going right. We need to really impress these. Like it made it, last night. Um, have you ever seen the damn United and the way that Brian Clough welcomes Don Revy when they play in the cup? Mm. You know, he's like, this is this is Don Revy. We've got to. Have, I I could imagine Ian Everett being like that with Stephen Gerrard last night going. <laughs> We don't give Steven Gerrard paper cups. He's having the finest China. This right. is Steven Gerrard. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a two-pronged story. So, in the press room beforehand, there's a lot of national journalists in there, obviously, because it's quite a big game. Uh, Sky are in the house as well. Villa bringing a massive. So there's a very busy press room. They do a lovely lasagna, and they've got salad with with olives and feta. I've never seen wow. salad with. I mean, couldn't believe it. I mean, they never. There's no vinaigrette or anything like that. But you know, if you, you, you let that slide. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they they raised the bar a little bit. They brought the posh food out. So anyway, Steve Gerrard comes up the stairs uh, to do the post match, um, and and sort of looks as like, what's going on? In the corner, because it had been quite heavily raining, uh, the uh, the roof had burst, and so they're basically just pouring into a bucket, a big like bin bucket type thing in the corner was just rainwater, drip, drip, drip. It was like water torture. <laughs> so he took one look at that, sat down. So the entire of um, of, of Gerard's interview and any inevitable beforehand was done to the sound of running water, basically, by the side of them. So, it, you know, they, they tried their best, I think, to impress. But then in the end, the elements got the better of them. Yeah, it's funny, but... Because I looked at the stadium on the TV last night and I thought, this isn't a League One stadium. This is It's a brilliant stadium. I'm sure the Villa fans thought that as well. Uh, yeah, Steven Gerrard probably looked and thought, oh, I remember this stadium, nice stadium, but it was here in the Premier League. And then he comes in, <laughs> into the press room or whatever. And there's, yeah, there's... Uh, a bucket catching rainwater. Hey, you can you can take you can take the stadium out of Bolton, and, and you know a lot of Wigan fans like to point out it's in Horwich, but you can't take Bolton out of the stadium. <laughs> There's probably an allegory in there somewhere. This is probably some sort of metaphor for the league for goals. I don't know, whatever. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's have let's have some post. Let's open some mail. Is that Philip Marish? <laughs> Picked a couple of emails out, uh, some of the better ones we've had this week. We've had a few, actually. I think we're, we're getting to that stage where I might have to do an email special, in fact. So um, keep them coming. I'll uh, give out the address after this second one. But so the first one's from Cal. Dear Mark and Henry, thanks for keeping the pod going through the summer. You will feel the benefit in December and January when other podcasts <laughs> who fail to keep it going will uh, be pulling muscles because they didn't have a proper pre-season. You uh, feeling in uh, peak physical condition, Henry? I am. Yeah, and we're we're taking a break this weekend uh, in between pods as well. So we're still coming back next week, but we're just taking a break in between pods just to keep fresh. 
Yeah, pod rotation, I think it's called. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, he says, I'm waiting to start a journalism degree in Birmingham. I wanted to know if either of you have any good tips on how to get started. I would love to work on the radio or in podcasts, and it would be a dream to commentate on a Bolton Wanderers game. How did Mark start in journalism, and what made Henry think about podcasting? Keep up the good mm. work. Now, I'm going to let you take the lead there, Henry, because we're on a podcast and basically nobody wants to listen to me talk about, prattle on about the, the 1990s and uh, how, mm. it, how it was better back then when we didn't have email. So you're, you're a young lad. You've got into journalism recently. How did you do it? Um, wow, I didn't think I'd be going through uh, my life, my, my career on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Henry Hewitt, this is your life. <laughs> Uh, well, I worked in radio for years. I worked on a network evening show, which was on Tower FM, actually. You know, rest in peace, Tower FM. God bless um, But, uh, yeah, so I, I went to uni, and then I would say just say yes to everything, essentially. Uh, when I stopped working in radio, I then uh, moved into podcasting. I worked for a production company at Media City, and that all came from saying yes. And while in between, uh, when Tower FM um, you know, became greatest hits, and uh, starting at that production company, I said to myself, "You know what? Just say yes to everything, and you'll find where you want to. You know, you'll find a route." And one of those yes to everything's was this podcast, which I'm still doing and I still enjoy, and uh, the other podcasts I work on. So, uh, yeah, my my history is all in audio anyway, so it became a natural progression, radio to podcasting, but. Um, yeah, my advice would be just make yourself available available to work. You know, don't worry about. And I know it'd be the same with you in journalism. You know, there are some there are some crap shifts out there, but someone's got to do them. And if you do them and impress, you'll get further on. Yeah, twenty two years ago, somebody asked me if I'd like to do a, a crap shift, and I'm still doing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you've got to be prepared to do the hard yards on stuff, and you can't. Um, you can't necessarily think you're going to start with exactly what you want to do. You, it's, it's good to, to broaden the net. I always tell young people, make sure you go and do news journalism first. Don't box yourself off in sport straight away because actually getting out there and, and knowing the world and the way it works and, and knowing you know how to interview people, taking yourself out of a comfort zone because sport can get really, really comfy. Um, that is what my best uh, best advice would be to any young journalist is do not box yourself off in, in sports journalism straight away. Get yourself out there and do um, do the, the council meetings, do the planning meetings, do the, the, you know, the, the police calls and all that kind of stuff. If you can do that, then talking to a football manager about uh, kicking a ball around for 90 minutes is a piece of pee, believe me. Uh, best of luck anyway, Cal. Henry Hewitt, say yes to everything. That is his motto. It is how he got uh, onto this uh, podcast, in fact, and why he has seven wives. Um, but there we go. <laughs> Hey, it's in my name. It's Henry. I've got to live up to it. <laughs> right. Second email. Uh, Mark and Henry, just back from the game and compelled to send you an email to comment on what a good atmosphere there is at the stadium these days. I love the fan zone. The food is ace. And though the prices are still a bit steep, the beer isn't bad either. Um, Sheffield Wednesday brought about 5,000 and I thought they were one of the loudest away supports uh, we've seen for a while. You guys might have longer memories than me, but what is the biggest slash loudest away support that you've seen? And that's from Mike. Mm. So, the um, biggest and loudest. Back in the Premier League days, they all seemed big and loud, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. I, I think for me, well, Leeds, 
Leeds yeah. uh, are, are good. We all know that, uh, no matter what you think of the club. But the uh, Leeds are the only away team that I've seen take extra. I don't know if you remember the FA Cup. I think it was like 2015 or something. They had uh, a little bit of the West Stand as well. Mm. So that's the only time. I, so that must be 7,000. That's the only time I've seen that. So I would have to go Leeds. Uh, leads with that one. Um, yeah, it's 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 nice seeing these big away crowds. And unfortunately, if you look at well, Charlton might be in a few because of the discounted tickets. But then when you've got Peterborough and yeah, I don't know who we've got after that. But then when the likes of you know the Cambridges and uh, Fleetwoods and whoever start turning up, it's uh, that, those are the challenges, though, aren't they, Mark? You know, to get a good atmosphere when you've not got a big away following. It's a very very simple. Uh... Uh, equation really it's it's locality times availability of beer which mm-hmm. you know uh, divided by kickoff time um so we can't can't be having a, a, a noon kickoff because obviously that will affect the, the the volume of fans um later kickoffs also seem to to cause an issue but uh, yeah a, a 3 p.m with a decent locality and uh, the availability of drink equals loud volume leads i would agree with you would be the loudest away support probably Newcastle are very good as well yeah uh, Bir- Birmingham I remember the day that they stayed up um, on the last mm. day that was a very 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 loud day um, West Brom tend to be quite quite raucous as well um, yeah there's, there's a there's a few the, the kind of traditional uh, football league clubs that that travel well to Bolton whereas you I remember the days of, of, of United and 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 well, I wouldn't say Liverpool. Liverpool were always all right, but Arsenal's and Chelsea's never really felt like they were particularly loud. It, there was no. uh, there was plenty of them. I just didn't think they were that loud. No, I do. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Newcastle actually. Yeah, Newcastle uh, uh, were always good yeah. and always brought a lot. And to be fair to them, I know there's obviously people are, have got the opinions on what's going on there and the owners and stuff, but. To, if there's going to be a fan base that deserves a bit of money, um, barring ourselves, of course, I would say Newcastle fans deserve that. So, uh, yeah, good question, though. I wonder if anyone else can remember any particular ones. I think when you said about Birmingham, I, I put a slight caveat next to them because they did stay up. You know, anyone can be, any team can be loud when they've just scored a last minute equaliser. But, um, yeah, I, I wonder if anyone else can remember any particular. Uh, who was that German team that, that <laughs> brought a load of fans in a behind closed doors friendly that time? I remember that, yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't even get told about that. It, it, they were supposed to be. We got told that they was they were part of the international uh, football, whatever it was, that was run at the hotel. And they were just visiting the hotel and the training ground, we were told. Or, or that's what the, the press team at the time told us. And then all of a sudden we're getting to see these pictures of these ultras burning flares and in this like empty, empty stadium. I'm thinking, why am I not there? What's going on? Um, we were supposed to also go back over there for a return friendly as well. And that's never, never turned out. So I've forgotten what the name of the club's called now. Um, however, yes, good idea, Henry. If you can remember the loudest away support, and we can even go back to Burnham Park if you want to, if you're of that ilk, then, uh, well, get in touch this way. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on thebuffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And 
Sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Yes, that's how you get in touch. It's as easy as that. Right. Um, I hate the fact that I decided this was going to be a segment in, in the show, but it's week three. It's Fantasy Football League time. It was for my team, uh, Quixotic Hevertude, in the Buff Invitational League. 37 points this week, 154th uh, in all. I'm about 188th. Oh, God, it's rubbish. It's so rubbish. I've had a big clear out this week. I've taken a minus four. I've made three big, big alterations in a, in a bit of a Hail Mary for this week. So I'm hoping there will be some uh, changes. Um, just a quick mention for the top three before we ask Henry how his week has been. Um, Angel Delict is still number one, 221 points. Got a new second place, Horrocks Hitmen, Joseph Horrocks team, 214. And uh, Evolution FC, Adam Chadwick, also a new entry in at number three on 212. So we're getting towards the end of the month. At the end of the month, the team with the most uh, points, I think, will send out a little prize. Um, so uh, I've got one more, I think, one more game week before that happens. So, um, yes, fingers crossed. It definitely won't be me. I can guarantee that. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm about 188, 154 points in total. And, and last week's resurgent Cucurella de Ville seemed to have hit a bit of a road bump. <laughs> Way down in 192nd. Uh, a miserly 32 points this week, 150. You're only four points behind me, but 190 seconds. What happened? Oh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, don't worry. The the, the the title surge is on. I am going to. Oh, I'm going to get 72 points more than Angel Delict this <laughs> this week. I'm going to get 200 points and uh, go top and win that prize. No, um. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I need to. I, I might need to take a hit. I might need to uh, take a few out because uh, it's uh, it's not quite clicking at the moment. But you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Well, Liverpool are down the bottom of the table, aren't they? At the moment, they haven't won a game. So it's, it's it happens to everybody. But this has been probably my worst ever start to a fantasy league season uh, that I can remember playing. And it would be the one where I pop my head against, above the parapet rather and uh, like, hey, come and join my league. I've got a podcast. This is going to be really fun to talk about on a weekly basis. If it carries on like this, this segment is getting dropped and I'm going to forget all about fantasy football league. Um, but right, <laughs> that's enough of that for now. Uh, let's talk about the fact that there is going to be a game on Saturday, neither me or you are going to be there because I get a bit of holiday. But I will watch it. I'll, can, can I watch it? Uh, I'm sure. Without uh, giving too much away, Mark, I'm sure there's a way. Okay, okay. I definitely, definitely will not be watching it on some type of uh, some type of feed. Definitely not. Hundred percent. Definitely not. Um, I, I will be. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll follow it on Match Day Live on the Bolton News uh, blog as everybody the best really way. should do it, the best way of doing it the best way, um, yeah. there's also crew in the pizza trophy but I don't think we may as well make a token mention of that uh, but Plymouth we know what happened last season 
We know who threw a paddy in the dressing room because he wasn't in the team and had been dropped mm. to the bench. Um, wow. That M- just... missed, missed, he missed the penalty last night as well, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, in the penalty shootout, yeah. So. Oh, right. Okay, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> it feels like such a long time ago, doesn't it? It's crazy. It wasn't It wasn't that far off. I think it was October, was it, last, last year? Yeah, it was, yeah. That's just mad, absolutely mad. But the rate, without doubt, the rainiest game that I've covered in the league, I think, in Bolton. I think it's slightly wetter than that one in Peterborough when Dougie Freedom was here. But uh, maybe not as not maybe not as wet as Zenit St Petersburg at home. No, when the waterfall no. came in from the side of the stadium, which was ridiculous. Um, but Plymouth going well. They're going to be somewhere near again this season, aren't they? They look quite strong. They've, They've, they've held their, their squad together. They've been together for quite a long time. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, they're good at home, aren't they? And, um, you know, I know they got, I think they lost at Charlton 5 1 uh, the, other, the other week, yeah. but they, uh, yeah, they, they look good at home. So it's going to be tough. And this is this is the thing, and this is this league. You know, we, we do look as Bolton Wanderers and we do look at this league and think we don't belong here. But if you look at the matches that we're playing, you know, the, the tough matches around the corner, you've got Charlton and Peterborough coming up and MK Dance away. So it is, it's never easy. And I think the, this is, to me, you can't, you can't judge a season on six games, but to me, this is a big game because if we can put a, a, a performance in and get a result, that will then suddenly we're back on the, the, we're back on the right path. And, mm. Um, you know, suddenly you go from if we lose, we're probably going to be top half, but about tenth or eleventh. You suddenly end in the month of August in rather than tenth and eleventh, which we were last year. That's where about where we finished. You're then looking if we can get a good result of being in the playoffs, having played some tough games and gone. That's a really good start. So I think it's uh, it's not going to define our season, not in a long way, but just to to show where we are as a team and where we are this year especially compared to last year if we can get a good result that will uh, it'll give a lot of people confidence I think yeah I think if you look at the points taken from the first five games of last year it's pretty much bob on I think yeah mm. eight, eight points so this would put Bolton ahead of where they were last year if you can make comparisons like that and, and I think if they were to get something like their points total from last year that should be the target because normally that wouldn't put you far off. I think that that's roughly. I mean, I know Ian Everett says two points per game is is promotion, but that's probably automatic promotion. To be to be fair, I think if Bolton were to get around that seventy five point mark, then I think they will be somewhere near um, in in terms of playoffs. And Plymouth mm. will be too. And I dare say Charlton will be. I dare say MK Dons will recover and, and they'll be somewhere near as well. There are eight or nine clubs that, that are going to be there. It's going to be tight. And these are the games where you can just sneak ahead. They've they've obviously lost a bit of ground with the Wednesday one, but I think this Plymouth game will be, a, in terms of the whole season, a very, very good yardstick. Um, just, I mean, there's going to be squad rotation. We know, we know that. We know that. But basically... The bench on Tuesday night against Aston Villa, James Trafford, Gethin Jones, Kieran Sadlier, Amadou Bakayoko, Jack Idale, Aaron Molly, Kyle Dempsey and George Thomason. Barring George Thomason, I would have said, the rest of them go back in, don't they? Probably, yeah. Maybe not sadly as well. Maybe but not I've, sadly, I've, yeah. I've got to say, with Declan John, I thought he played really well he did. Uh, 
you know, you could okay, the the fourth goal came from his side, but um I thought going forward he he did very well on Tuesday. But uh yeah, I, I, as Ian Ebert said, he, he doesn't pick necessarily on who's playing well, he picks sides to try and beat those teams. So maybe he looks at Plymouth in a different way to Villa and Iredale comes back in. But yeah, you'd you'd think that going away from home, is he gonna stick Dion and Dapple up there, Plymouth? I don't know, actually. He did it against Ipswich, so maybe. But uh, maybe he sits Bakayoko back in. Um, as I said before, I think Bakayoko's better coming off the bench, personally. So I would I would keep him on the bench and see if he can make an impact. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a very very tough game with whichever team we play. We play. So I'm looking forward to it, to just, just to see yeah, how, how we do. Mm. And it's a shame that uh, I, I can't see Kieran Lee staying in there. I... There's still a bit of me that wants to see Kieran Sadley used in that number 10 position, I'll be honest with you. I, I mm. don't think it will happen, but there is still a bit of me that would like to see him get that chance um, just just before we, we uh, took him away in, in the, the wing-back folder. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's gonna be, there's going to be changes, it's going to be interesting. But then uh, beyond that, on the Tuesday, this podcast will still be fresh as a daisy by that point in time, of course. Um mm. And then you've got the Papa John's Trophy. And this is where we could really see some fun and games because the the squad that was there against Aston Villa has pretty much been rotated. There hasn't been much difference. We're not going to see anybody necessarily come out. I'm just wondering whether or not that is the time where you put Isgrove and Sheehan back into the, the on the big pitch. And, and maybe we do see a bit of them. Um, but some of the younger ones, maybe from the B team, a couple of them have stood out. I know uh, young Luke Hutchinson, I'm hearing, has, has been playing out with skin in the B team. Um, maybe we get a little look at him. Connor, uh, Connor Stanley has been pretty good as well. Um, Connor Carty scored a couple of goals, the, mm. the ex-Wolves lad as well. So maybe we even see Jez Sitol or Sitole. Oh, Sitol, the dream. Uh, yeah, I I think for me, um, I think he'll do like he did last year where he'll make changes, but like last night, you make six changes and there's still players that we recognise. There's mm. still players mm. that are first-team players. I think he'll do that. I think... Uh, you know, because let's face it, we have got a very good chance of winning that competition, and we yeah. did last year, and it did quite work out. I think we've got an extremely good chance. I hope he, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think he'd choose an eleven. You know, I don't think he'd not change his team and uh, choose the same eleven as Plymouth. But I think he will pick a, a strong team, and I think looking at the teams that are in it, you know, we've got two League Two teams and then a, an under-21. So if we can win our first two games, which is doable, then you're going into that last game and he, he can pick whatever team he wants. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope I hope we do well. I hope we, we get to the knockout stages and then push on from there. I think it's something that we can... I mean, the thing is, Mark, we all know what happened last time we were at Wembley. That was the only time we've been at the new Wembley. I want another trip to Wembley. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Oh God, I can still, I can still see it. I can still see it now, walking out of that place and seeing all the, uh, all the paraphernalia chucked on the floor and 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 mm. completely a ghost town that Wembley was by the time I made it out of that stadium. Oh God, a sullen, sullen sight that was. But anyway, anyway, before we before we get all Wembley bound and, and excited, 
Um, we've got transfer deadline day. So we will be bringing you a podcast of some description because obviously you're out in Spain. It might not be that we can record with you. So I might be looking for a, for another guest host next week. Yeah, I mean, don't don't everyone get the hopes up too much. We are going to uh, we're going to do a test on because if, if, for those who remember uh, in the summer that we were hoping to do a, a I think it was was it on the fixture release day? I can't it remember was, where yeah. Uh, yeah. you were in Portugal. Didn't work out. Didn't uh, didn't connect. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we we've we've not tried it since being abroad, but now it's my turn to try it. So uh, yes, hopefully. Well, for me anyway, because I enjoy doing this podcast. Hopefully it works. But maybe other people are like, well, I've heard some of the, the people who have stood in and they're very good. Yeah, well, if Derek, if you're listening, mate, I might take a call. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's. I think Continental buffs have not worked well, but we will give it a very, very good chance. And hopefully we'll be able to bring you something um, in advance of the transfer deadline day to an accompaniment to see you through the day, along with us, of course. And please do tune in because it does make the world of difference when there's people actually listening and responding and engaging. I'm going to be sat there from 7am right up to the deadline, whenever that might be. And, and at Bolton Wanderers, that could be 3am. Uh, hmm. So I'll be there all day. I'll be waxing lyrical. I'll be eating biscuits. I'll be talking about who was spotted in TK Maxx and whether or not Peter Odom Wingy is sat in Subway. I'll be doing all the classics, of course, um, from uh, from 7am on Transfer Deadline Day, which is the Thursday, of course, September the 1st. Mm. So, until that point in time, I have been, Mark, I don't have to go to Plymouth Isles. And I have been Henry, uh, hasta la vista, Plymouth. Uh, Hewitt. Is that still a VC even Spanish? I don't know. Just get us out of here. This has been the buff. <laughs> <laughs>